It's me, Stephanie Butnick, and I have a very special pre-Passover treat for you. Two interviews that I think you're going to love. So whether you're cleaning out all the chametz in your house right now, or working from home and hoping your cat doesn't step in front of the Zoom camera again, or frantically searching online for Passover recipes, here's a little something to entertain you along the way. First, I talk with Marcy Goldman, author of the newish Jewish cookbook, whose caramel matzah crunch might just be the most famous Passover recipe on the internet. And then, a few months back, I visited Jack's Wife Frida, one of my favorite restaurants in New York City. I sat down with owners Maya and Dean Jankalovitz, who told me all about their seders growing up in Israel and South Africa. They also gave me some expert tips about creating the perfect ambiance for hosting a Passover seder. Here's my chat with Marcy Goldman, who will make you want to cover your matzah in chocolate, I promise. I am here with Marcy Goldman. She's a master baker and the author of the newish Jewish cookbook. She's also the creator of the greatest Passover dessert to ever exist. Welcome, Marcy. Oh, wow. That's quite an intro. Thank you. (laughs) It's lovely to be here. So will you tell us a little bit about the newish Jewish cookbook, which is impeccably named? And (laughs) (laughs) I think it captured everything. It sort of has that kind of upbeat sort of feel. I thought it would appeal to a few different generations and give these sort of the cachet of what newish Jewish is all about, which is a little bit of classic things that are respun and brought forward and freshened and mixed with some global influences. So chapter 11 is all about Passover and there are so many dishes. I didn't actually realize there could be this many dishes for Passover. So let's talk about your caramel matzah crunch, <laughs> which sort of precedes you on the internet a little bit. Yeah. I have lawsuit muffins is another iconic one. And my honey cake which gets a lot of ink. The matzo butter crunch I did about 1984. So I had a new toddler in the house and he ate nothing. And at that point, Passover was coming up and I thought, what is, he won't eat anything. And I used to make a little confection with soda crackers. And I thought, I wonder if this would work with matzah, if it would be porous enough because you're basically melting butter or unsalted margarine and brown sugar, pouring it over crackers or matzah and baking it. And indeed, it was porous enough. It sort of sponged up all the good toffee. And that's how much the butter crunch was born. And then I, you know, of course, put chocolate on it. Each year, I do something different myself. I'll put white chocolate and smear it with apricot jam so you have a marbleized effect. But when you find something that is really easy, it's basically three ingredients and there's no technique involved. You can't really go wrong. So this is your trademark dish. I mean, is this something you feel like you have to make at this point every year or are you excited to make it? Well, I'm excited. It says the holidays to me. The idea that so many people collectively were all making it together and people write me through my website telling me that they made four boxes that have already been devoured before Passover or they did it this way or that way or they added large grains of sea salt or bitter chocolate or they've had a little bit of mint extract and changed it up. Just seeing the people baking with me is always a thrill, seeing their variations. Sometimes I think of performers who do the same song over and over again, do they get tired of it? And you don't get tired of things and people and recipes you love. Since this Passover is sort of pretty different, as they say, from all other Passovers, do you have any advice for people who are now cooking much smaller batches? You know, we heard from someone in our Facebook group who said, you know, usually I make matzo ball soup for 30. Now I'm making it for four. I mean, is there a way that people can sort of wrap their minds around cooking smaller meals for this? I don't think you have to do that. I mean, when you're making a chicken soup, I don't know any way to make things a little and chicken leg and, and poach it till you have soup for two. I think I would go with make the soup for 30, divide it into five bundles, 
and you go around and deposit soup on people's doorsteps or after the holiday and give it out then. I think the big batch of soup is going to find many people that would love it. You just have to maybe distribute it in a different way. I love that because I was going to say, oh, it's great. You'll have a lot of leftovers. But you went with helping other people and giving them matzo ball soup, which is the much nicer um, approach. So far, as far as we've seen, food prepared by people, even you know those of us who are in quarantine, is fine. And it's so heartwarming. And it's the one thing that we certainly can do. And I'd sooner you know make the extra I just make it and you never know. You pass by a fire station, you visit a neighbor, a friend, you remember the hairdressers always goes the extra distance. It never goes to waste the extra that you have. I love that. That's such a nice idea. So what's the homemade matzo recipe like? It's basically, it's water and flour. You can put in a pinch of salt and then you stretch it out in very thin slabs and it goes into a 500 degree oven until it buckles. And, well, you prick it with a fork and then it buckles and blisters. And it's, it tastes like the shmira matzah, you know, the very religious matzah. Wow, that sounds great. So if people want to find your matzah butter crunch, if people want to find the newest Jewish cookbook, how do we get a hold of you and your master baking? Well, my central place is my website, betterbaking.com. I've been there for 23 years, 23 Passovers. And the cookbook is available in all independent bookstores. You could order it or on Amazon, Indigo, uh, Barnes & Noble. You can get it as a print book or ebook. It's linked to my website and also anybody that buys any of my books, they get a free whole year of access to my website, which includes there's 2,500 other recipes, many of them for the Jewish holidays. And I publish a newsletter every month and it has yet more Passover recipes, which are all free this month, including a Passover Greek nut cake, a two ingredient nut cookie, which is amazing. And a few other things are very easy. And I've taken care that not all of us are being able to get our Passover pantry stocked up. So It's made with pantry stuff that I think will be perfect for this Passover, this very unique Passover. Marcy Goldman, thank you so much. The website is Better Baking and all of our listeners can get all of those recipes as well as the newish Jewish cookbook. Thanks for being with us today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You can find Marcy's recipes and her cookbooks at betterbaking.com. And now, here's my visit to Jack's wife, Frida. This was recorded before the city shut down, when restaurants were bustling and we all thought our satyrs would be normal. But I think their advice about creating a warm and welcoming environment is still extremely relevant. So I am here at Jack's wife, Frida, with Dean and Maya Jankalovitz. Uh, they are back on the show. And we're going to talk Passover, because as I understand it, like the Seder is basically a dinner party. And you two now own three restaurants. Um, You guys are sort of, you came up through the New York hospitality world. You guys know how to throw a good dinner party for tons of people. First of all, do you guys throw a Seder yourselves or do you go go to someone else's house? Mixed. We, We have, we've done both. This year, we'll probably go to somebody else. And so when you're at someone else's house, are you like, the lighting is too bright, the music's too loud? Are you, are you judging? Constantly. <laughs> <laughs> and so when, what about the food? Are you guys like judging food or are you sort of like chill about that? Very chill. As long yeah, as they have everything chill. on the plates, that's important to us. Right, the, the Seder plate? The Seder mean? plate. Yeah, Getting that right. That's, that's the only place of judgment, I would say. And then we compare it to, oh, that's not how my mom did it. But otherwise, no judgment. We love being invited to, to any Passover. 
<laughs> Let's talk about your personal passport. You are South African, Dean. Maya, you grew up in Israel. What What are some of the specific memories you have of the distinctive Passovers of your of your childhoods? For me, my childhood Passover, I was the youngest cousin, so I had to sing Minus Shanai <gasps> every single year. Forever. Mm, any mumbles. Uh, I can imagine how traumatic. Can you do it right now? <laughs> I can do the chorus. <laughs> when everyone sings with you. It was always nice when you got to, the, the first two verses were good, the, the second two verses got very strained. Mm-hmm. But it was very satisfying to get to the end. But even the memory now of singing Minus Shanai, wow, that was a lot. It is a really long song. I mean, it's, it goes on for a while. It, the whole thing is long. I remember in Israel just um, the talk about how long a Seder should be. And if you were a little more religious or a little more spiritual, you would go, you know, there's some people who kind of stop after dinner. And then there's people who actually finish everything and go on. And our family went all the way. So it was a little bit of that fear that we're going all the way. And now it's, I, it's kind of funny to reflect back on that. So what if you had a really long dinner with your loved ones? Oh, great. So what kind of food are we talking? Because I think this restaurant, Jack's Wife Frida, has been described as, what is it, South African-Israeli grandma comfort food, which is like the perfect description, I think. Yeah, um, we love that. You have, the, you have the matzo ball soup, you have the green shakshuko, which we talked about when you were last on the show, and then you have the peri-peri chicken, the South African taste. What were some of the foods that were distinctive to your satyrs growing up? We went across the board, chopped herring, chicken liver, I don't know, we would call it kichel, the little crackers with the sugar on it. That was delicious. Uh, Obviously a lot of matzah. Um, The soft-boiled egg with salt was a big hit with the kids. So I guess everything from the plate. uh, For entrees, which we do here also, we do uh, honey-glazed Frida short ribs, which is reminiscent, a great, great dish all around, but it's reminiscent of our childhood dish would have. Served in a big part, uh, family style, everybody would grab in. And now in Maya Sephardic also we have rice during the Seder, which right. we which we enjoy tremendously. Right, you weren't you. you I know I didn't grow up with that. Right. Kidney oak, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So now during the Seder we, during the whole of Passover we eat rice all the time. And it's so much easier, right? So much easier. Rice with hot sauce. Yes, Ooh. he's converted to Sephardic. Yeah. The and I like when we throw the green the parsley when we hit each other. Well, with the that's parsley. not our tradition at all. Yes. That's his sister married a Persian Jew. Yes, and they the whipping um, with the scallions. I love the that. Scallions, and they start hitting each other to remember yes. the pain. I think so freeing the suffering and back in Egypt, which I think we're kind of going through today, <laughs> remembering the suffering um, or reliving it. And they, mm. yeah, they all go absolutely crazy and do that. I love and that. start hitting each other with the scallions and. They get a little out of hand. They get rowdy. So what were some of the foods that you guys, your family had growing up? I think, you know, my mom was Sephardic. So if when we were with her side of the family, they would have crimey mm. and tagines. Uh, crimey is like um, a spicy fish mm. stew with... So um, the, the Sephardic food is definitely a lot more tasty and a lot more interesting than Ashkenazi food. Right. But she married my dad, who was Ashkenaz Jew. So it did land up... Foreign food. <laughs> uh, which which I liked as a as a little girl. So just you know, just chicken and braised short ribs and mashed potatoes and pretty Ashkenaz. Yeah, it was pretty simple for many years once um, we were at my father's side of the family. So the two of you met at Balthazar, the iconic New York City brasserie, um, and you guys have worked at a bunch of different great restaurants in New York City throughout your careers. 
Dean, I heard a rumor that when you were working at Schiller's that you changed the lighting every like six and a half minutes to just like make the ambiance perfect. Got Is that it. true? Uh, uh, every two pro- minutes. Every two minutes? Probably even more often, absolutely. <laughs> so what were you responding to and how would you change you, the you lighting? Just, you get a feeling and you get a feeling for the room, but also changing the lighting would make me cross the room, get a feel for the room, touch the lights, cross the room back over, look at the lights saying I'm not really satisfied, cross the room back again and keep fixing the lights back and forward. The same with the music, the same with the temperature. As long as you're touching things and you're putting things in motion, it really adds to the ambiance. Okay, so let's say our listeners are hosting a Seder at their house, right? They might not have the the dimming system, Mm. they might not have the sound system. What are some easy things that people should start thinking about? I think, you know, uh, lots of candles, which people do, but really go overboard with the candles. Uh, Lots of tchotchkes as such on the tables. Like have the table something I can move around so people are touching things, sharing things, explaining things. Uh, things that you can engage with. Uh, whether it's, you know, uh, stemware or plates or silverware. Things that are interesting that we can talk about. Definitely makes it for a more uh, conversational meal. Uh, lighting, I would go light, low lighting and candles anyway. I understand I'm on Passover, people don't put on music, but some uh, ambient music in the background is always great. Uh, just you wanting people to be chattering and share things and have like-minded things on the table. So anything that you can share and describe or there's a history, as a backbone to it on the table definitely opens up conversation for people. But lots of candles and lots of things on the table. And with Passover, it's kind of easy because you have... Um you can really you can you can go with the Passover plate, but you can I think that you can use that as a foundation to mm. have that decorate the table and be that that is the theme of the night. So have your charoset and have have the maror, have everything spread out on the table as as those little centerpieces. I think that's great. Yeah. So one problem, one complaint, and you 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 guys have kids. It's a long it's a long way to go before you eat. How do you, what do we what do we think about like snacking, adding little things to, to sort of keep everyone engaged and entertained? Well, I think with the kids, as long as you hide the afrikoma and the matzah early, definitely keeps the excitement until the end of the meal. So hide it early, hide it uh, very hard to find, and let the kids kind of explore around that for a while. But snacks, we do cheat. We have matzah throughout the meal. Once we've broken our first piece of matzah, the matzahs are free for all from there forward. Uh, kids definitely put them at, a, at the end of one table, a separate table, and let them find their own way to enjoy the um, Passover celebration. They're not going to engage entirely with where the adults are at, but the adults can teach them that this is what we go through with the Haggadah, and hopefully they get the snippets. Right. And through doing the Manish Sanah, they, they engage. Through picking up the, finding the matzah, they engage. There's actually so many opportunities for them to engage in Passover, and I think when I grew up, it was so... Um, so strict we weren't allowed to eat before we said amen and we weren't allowed to touch the food so it was hard and I think that I'm kind of breaking the pattern a little by like it's alright if they nibble on matzah or a hard boiled egg if that's what they need to stay present at the table and then including them in, in reading the Haggadah it's even if they think they don't want to once they're on the spot it's so amazing to see the little ones engage and show off so while I have you, there are eight days of eating just matzah, no bread. What are your, do you have any hacks, any foods your kids love to eat? Like, are you a matzah pizza family? What, do you have any, like, matzah recipes? Pizza. Never heard of that. Matzah pizza, idea. that sounds delicious. 
We do you um, have the recipe for that? I, I think I just put tomato sauce and cheese and like shredded mozzarella. Sometimes I put it in the microwave, honestly, if I'm really hungry. Yeah. We do a lot of like just butter. Uh, butter and salt. I'm so happy. Okay. With Lots of it. I, I feel like I can go eat that right now. I could also. I <laughs> really like, um, personally, I like uh, matzo with chopped liver and uh, red horseradish. Anything Ooh, from Russian yeah. Daughters. Mm. Yeah. So you'll eat that through the week. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy the week of matzah. I also feel like it slims us down. Like we've stopped eating a lot of meals. Depends how much matzah you yeah, eat. A lot of meals. Uh, matzah brides. Matzah brides, great. Yeah, we do a big matzah brides sometimes for a staff meal at the restaurant. That's fun. And are there any Passover specials that you'll have at the restaurants? Well, we do our matzah ball soup, which is standard, which we sell a fortune of during Pesach. But also, we do a uh, flourless chocolate cake. Right, so. Which yeah. is a huge hit on the so other side. So we have side. an appetizer, entree, and dessert. If, right. Yeah, and we serve, and we have matzah for everybody. But yeah, the the matzah ball soup and Frida's braised short ribs we serve all week, and um, the flourless chocolate cake is kind of the go-to for all the Jews who come in. So what's your matzah bread recipe at home? Are you oh, sweet or salty? Salty, just scrambled eggs and. You don't put cinnamon cinnamon on it. No. No. I'm thinking cinnamon, like eggs and cinnamon and matzo. Because that's a real Ashkenazi Sephardi like divide, the right. sweet versus the salty. Right. right. But I see your home has managed to bridge those. Yes. <laughs> yes. Where it all happens. Sometimes we forget which is Ashkenaz and which is Sephardi. Yeah. I actually don't I, I like the whole holiday of Pesach. I, I, I like the seders. I like... We, watch, uh, we love watching the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments after the seder. The Charlton Heston. Yeah. It's always fun. Yeah, just the memory. I, I, a lot of the, the Pesach and the Seder is definitely a lot of their childhood memory. You know, the, the, were we so separated from our families, but I remember as a child it was a very big table, a very long Seder. Now it's more, as we're talking about, more a mishmash of what we bring to our own uh, uh, contemporary lives as such. But I miss the days of sitting down at a table with Granny Frida and she would cater the entire event. And Maya Jankalovitz, thank you so much for sharing your Passover Seder hosting tips and thank some of your recipes. Guys. And happy Passover. Happy Passover. Happy Passover. Everybody. Passover. <laughs> Thanks to Dean and Maya Jankalovitz for sitting down with me and also feeding me after the interview. I look forward to getting back to your restaurants when this is all over. Unorthodox is brought to you by Tablet Magazine on the web at tabletmag.com. Send us photos of your matzah creations at unorthodox at tabletmag.com and subscribe to our newsletter at bit.ly slash unorthodoxpodcast. Follow us on Instagram at unorthodoxpodcast and on Twitter at unorthodox underscore pod. Join our Facebook group where you'll see behind the scenes photos of all of us recording at home in our pajamas. The show is produced by Josh Cross and Sarah Fredman Ader. Our artwork is by the amazing Esther Werdiger. Our theme music is by Golem online at golemrocks.com. Wishing you all a meaningful Passover. Shalom, friends. Mm-hmm.